everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Today, I have chosen to talk about the Korean drama called Faith, also known as The Great Doctor. So this drama is a 24 episode, I want to say historical, but like it's a fantasy romance time slips or time travel kind of drama, um, but definitely set in the past. So it has a very historical feel, although some of the characters use a fuckload of magic for some reason. <laughs> so there's definitely some fantasy there as well, as well as, you know, time slip, clearly <laughs> time travel stuff. So it's a 24 episode drama. It came out in 2012. Um, so Faith, as I know it, is, uh, I guess for many, many years, I've always considered it to be one of my favorite dramas ever. And I think now, you know, I've, I've watched it a few times over the years, but not for quite a long time before I picked it up again. Now, as part of my K-drama club uh, with my friend Lizzie, and we watch dramas together and then chat about them. Hello, Lizzie. Um, so I hadn't seen it for many, many years prior to this new watch, uh, which was really interesting for me. I still completely love it. I find particularly the start to be like crazy addictive, but I also feel that, you know, a lot of my love for it, there is a nostalgia there for me. This drama was a very special early drama for me, which I lo- I watched um, just after it came out in 2012. So eight years ago, as I record this. Um, so it definitely has a very special place in my heart, I think. And, you know, watching it now, I can see, oh, you know, it's a little bit old. It's a little bit clunky. Definitely towards the end, there's some like weird writing kind of loops and some stuff going on. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> but I think my love for it still stands. I think it's just this really, I don't know, particularly at the start, re-watching this drama, I was really impressed by the writing of the setup of the relationships and the conflict and the angst. Like, I was like, whoa, I'm really into this because I couldn't fucking remember anything that happened. Um, and also, I think one of the reasons that I still love this drama now is because of, so the actor Lee Min-ho is in this drama. He plays the main lead character, um, Cho Young. Uh, and I think Cho Young is still one of my favorite Korean drama ca- uh, characters ever. I just 
fucking love this guy. I love him so much. <laughs> it's very much to my taste, but I'll talk about that later. Um, so my experience with watching Faith um, was I was basically following Lee Min Ho around, you know, K-drama land in 2012. I'd watched, um, you know, I found him in Boys Over Flowers, so I'd watched his next drama and then this was coming up and I was excited. I've always liked, you know, historical fiction and historical, so I was well keen to watch it. Um, so this was the time of my life where in my house, I don't really know why, but we did not have the internet. I guess like we were just really poor or something and we couldn't like afford anything. And we were very much like, you know, just working little casual jobs and just trying to get by. Um, so I was... It was kind of stupid, really, because what I was doing was buying Asian drama off, you know, eBay or from, you know, our local like um, Asian grocery stores and things like that. And the subs were whack and I was still buying these, you know, very illegal, terrible, I'm sure, ripped DVDs. It's crazy for me to even talk about this now when you can just stream everything so easily. I'm sure you could back then, but I was just a complete nong and I didn't know about it because uh, I didn't know how to use the internet. <laughs> I guess I was a late bloomer. I don't know. Um, so I still to this day have like a little box set DVD of this drama, which sits under my TV and like faces outwards <laughs> so I can look at the cover because it's really pretty. Um, so yeah, that's my experience with this drama. I loved it. I adored it. I watched it and then I rewatched it probably another two times over the next five years or so. And then had a big break before I again rewatched it now. And because my memory is completely shit, I couldn't remember fucking anything about it except that I really liked it. <laughs> so I still really, really loved it. I loved it so much. I think it would be very interesting for me to kind of hear from, say, listeners who maybe are a little bit newer to K-drama land, have discovered dramas in the last few years. Um, I don't know what it would be like going back to watch this drama, which came out in 2012, if you're very new to K-drama land, like I really am starting to feel like dramas over the last few years have just become so slick and clean and clear and, you know, the editing's so much better and the sound editing and, you know, it doesn't have this thing where you've got this like mad ballad playing during like a romance scene and then the scene ends and the ballad just cuts off into like just dead silence, like mid, you know, soaring note, like that used to happen all the time watching dramas and these days I feel like there's a lot of fade outs there's a lot of like working really hard to make the drama feel you know as high quality as a movie or anything you know like it's it's none of this kind of hack job stuff <laughs> that I think was happening a little bit more so I think there's still some of that just that old creakiness to faith it's not too bad to be honest it's not as bad as I kind of expected it would be going into it again but there's also like, you know, it's not this kind of atmospheric sets or, um, you know, a setting, that kind of stuff. Like I keep coming back to The Crowned Clown, which is a historical drama. I've got an episode on it, which I watched, you know, sort of recently over the last um, bunch of months. And although I didn't love that drama, 
the setting and the atmosphere of the setting and the palace scenes are so like just incredible like I really do think it's filmed to be beautiful it's so atmospheric um the throne room you know looks so majestic and gothic and incredible and watching you know a historical drama like Faith I have to say like to me other than you know Lee Min Ho and his awesome armor costumes and you know sometimes okay hair, mostly okay. Um, a lot of the costumes I'm like, eh, they just don't have that sumptuous quality to them. Or, you know, the settings of the palace and the throne room really do look a little bit like a setting, I suppose. They don't have this kind of, I don't know, just this deepness that makes it feel very authentic. Um, but also for me, I should point out, it's a really weird thing, but you know what? Anyone who has been listening to this podcast knows that I really, really love my history and my historical dramas. I adore them. But I'm very, very particularly drawn to the Joseon era in Korean history. And that's my favorite time to watch dramas being set in. Um, I love Joseon dramas. I like I'm interested in Joseon culture. I love um, Joseon costumes and clothes and everything about that era is so interesting to me. Um, Faith is set in Goyo at the very end and the decline of the Goyo dynasty. And frankly, the architecture, the clothes, everything about it, I'm like, eh, I don't like it as much. But that's just a very personal taste aesthetic thing. I just don't enjoy looking at the outfits or the hair, like all the hair on the dudes in this drama is whack. The The villain guy has this like, I don't know, he's got like this mad puffy sort of slick puff kind of like, I don't even know what it is. And then he's got this like metal net hat that just sits on his head and everyone's walking around and fucking like one gold dangly earring and like a little bit of a puff fringe and I'm talking about the dudes and it's not like particularly my thing of course Lee Min Ho looks fucking fantastic throughout all that although he does do a weird thing to his hair which I remember you know eight years ago being like oh no oh no I don't like it <laughs> was this time I was like it's Lee Min Ho he can he can totally pull off anything I don't care he looks great but all the other dudes in this drama look insane. I'm just going to put that out there. Completely insane. Um, particularly, yeah, everyone, they look crazy. But again, you know, it's just a personal thing with those costumes from the Goya era. I'm just not personally as into them. And I can't remember what I was talking about. <laughs> so I guess I'm up to the part where I talk about who is actually in this drama and then I'll get on to a bit of setup for you guys. Um, so like I said, Lee Min Ho is the lead character. Uh, he plays a, a true life historical figure called um, Choi Young or General Choi Young. In the drama, he's the lead of these kind of elite, you know, elite sort of troops, I guess, these like royal king's guards called the Wudalchi. So he's sort of their, you know, amazing, fantastic leader. Um, so he plays just a total warrior through and through, and he's the right hand man for the king in the drama. Um, so the female lead is played by an actress called Kim Hee-son, who is madly famous. Um, I She's in quite a few dramas over like since I started watching dramas, but I have seen her on and off over the years. But she, I think, was like a mega fixture of the like, I think the initial original like Hallyhoo wave or whatever you want to call it. And I'm pretty sure she was like 
a really big actress in the 90s, if I'm remembering this correctly. Does that sound right? Is that too early? Maybe it was the early 2000s. I don't know. The woman never ages. She's very, very beautiful. Um, and she just looks the same forever, I guess. Um, but I really like her in this. Um, this time watching it at the very start, I was like, whoo, this, this woman is like, she's dialed it up to 100. Like she's crazy at the beginning, but she definitely calms down as the drama progresses. And, you know, at the start, there's like a little bit of elements of, you know, that fish out of water, that comedy kind of aspect. And those things definitely die down as the drama progresses and gets into like deeper angsty kind of territory. Um, so I do like her in this. She plays Yuan Su and her character Unsu um, hilariously is this like very, I was going to say posh or money hungry, but it's not quite right. But she's, you know, she's a modern woman living in Seoul in 2012. <laughs> so sort of modern uh, as I record this in 2020 or 2021 or whatever. Oh my God. I don't even know what's going on anymore. Anyway, Unsu is a plastic surgeon who works in Gangnam. Her big dream is to own her own hospital or like plastic surgery clinic. I don't even know. Um, and, you know, she's very like she has perfect hair. She has perfect nails. She has perfect clothes. And she is completely unprepared to be sucked back into the past and have to live in, frankly, the incredibly violent times of the Goyo dynasty. Um, and she doesn't really take to, you know, getting sucked into the past all that well. Um, the other kind of characters of note, uh, definitely the villain who is played by an actor called Yuo Song. Um, he plays a character called Gi Chol. He's the guy with the puff hair and the little gold net and the long dangly gold earring. <laughs> he looks very funny, I think, and not particularly scary. Probably it's the puff hair that does it, I think. Um, I actually really like this actor. He played the villain in one of my other favorite dramas called Joseon Gunman. Um, and he was amazing in that. Uh, very like nuanced villain performance uh, where you end up being kind of on his side for a lot of that drama in Joseon Gunman. In Faith, he also plays the main villain. But in Faith, um, the villain Gichol is almost like um, a caricature. He's, you know, he's got a bit of... I don't know. He's just crazy and he's got like mad powers and like he's got like ice powers or some shit. I don't even know. And he's just very like over the top and flamboyant and just like, you know, he's not like, I don't know. I don't want to say he's like, he doesn't feel very earthy or like gritty. He just feels like this larger than life, almost comic book character or something like a, one of those kind of silly sort of villains. Um, There are moments where he's a little bit scary just because you kind of realize his powers, but I do think it's quite funny in, you know, when you're watching dramas and you've got someone playing a villain who's just, you know, like looking at this guy, he doesn't look like he'd be able to just do a somersault, you know, like randomly some amazing acrobatics or anything. But there's this, you know, a couple of scenes where he ends up having to fight and it's clearly a body double, but suddenly he's like doing all these flips and all this like, um, it's like waxia. Um, I, I never know how to pronounce that, but you know, like Chinese um, fantasy martial arts where he's like, you know, clearly on wires doing all this like sliding around the ground. And it's just so out of place with this actor because he just doesn't, I mean, he's young, but he just doesn't look like physically, I don't know, flexible enough to be doing somersaults and being an amazing martial artist. But anyway, <laughs> it's totally fine. Um, the other people to note, um, definitely the king and queen. So 
I'm an actor called Ru Dok Hwan, plays King Gong, Gong Min. Oh, sorry, Gong Min. Uh, so King Gong Min is, you know, another true historical figure um, and is a main major character in this drama. And I think really interesting. Um, he's very young. He's only 21. He's just become the king of Goyo. He's kind of dealing with all these external political powers because they're like a vassal state of the Wan dynasty, which is basically the Mongol empire. He's been married off to a young Mongolian princess who he doesn't trust. He's been sent back to Goyo to head up a country filled with, you know, a whole noble class um, of existing noblemen who are loyal to Wan and hate him and just want him to be a puppet king. Um, and on top of this, he's very uncertain of himself and he doesn't really know how to do the right thing and he doesn't believe in himself. So he's a really, really interesting character with a lot of push and pull between him and the people around him. And his wife, the Mongolian princess, who they have a very strange relationship at the start, is played by the actress Park Seong um, and her name in the drama or you know, yeah, uh, and in real life is Queen uh, Noguk. Um, so there's a lot of other characters as well. There's some like mad comic book kind of um, magic powered people. One's played by the actor Sung Hoon, who I think is, you know, he he's his own, like I was going to say he's his own actor now. That's not a thing that you say. He is a lead actor in dramas now. That's what I'm trying to say. And he has this like crazy white wig thing on, like he looks mental. Uh, and then there was sort of a second uh, male lead played by the actor Philip Lee, who I probably won't even mention in this like discussion at all because his character is so like just sidelined realistically, but he's supposed to play a Goyo doctor. Um, and I think the real actor had some sort of issue that meant that he sort of had to bow out and then they sort of wrote him out of the story a lot was my understanding from the time. Um, and then the other actor, I guess, that I'll mention is um, Yoon Gyeonsang. Yoon, yeah. Anyway, he plays a character called Dokman, who's just one of the Wu Dalchi kind of like royal bodyguard dudes. Um, but I remember, you know, he was a real fresh face when this came out. And he is also, you know, a leading actor in his own dramas now as well. So that was a huge waffle about, you know, just the overview of the show. And now I'll get into the setup. All right, so now it is time for the setup for Faith and kind of what happens at the opening of the drama. We'll see if I can like, if I can figure out how to explain this because it's very complex, really. There's a lot of sort of main characters and a lot of them have their own things going on. Plus there's all this sort of overview political stuff. Um, but basically, I actually really love the way this drama opens. I think it's really interesting and clever. Um, it opens right in basically in the action and it starts in a place that isn't the beginning of the story that it's about to try and tell you, which I really, really loved. I, I just thought that was really cool. Instead of sort of starting in, say, the Wan Dynasty and meeting the king there and he sets out on his journey, the, the drama liter literally opens with this kind of, um, you know, traveling party or this little caravan of people you know, moving through the countryside and they're clearly, you know, a bit stressed, they're getting followed, they're in danger. And we see that there's some royal family members in this carriage that are getting, you know, protected by all these warriors. And Lee Min Ho's character, Choi Yong, is one of the warriors. He's the lead guy who's protecting these people. So obviously they've been sent to Wan, which is China, to bring back 
the king of Goyo. So in this time, um, the true, like, I guess, history stuff of it is that if you were a prince of Goyo, because um, Goyo was kind of like a vassal state to China, to the Wan dynasty, um, all the princes would be basically be sent um, as, you know, when they're young to Wan and they would be raised there. Um, kind of like a hostage, so like a royal hostage. Um, and also, I guess, to try and maybe try and sort of entrench them in Wan culture and stuff so that when they do become a king, um, they're maybe a little bit more open to it. Um, it's a bit different because King Gongmen, who's the main king in this drama, really doesn't like Wan. He's totally not into it. He just wants to go home to Goyo. But he has been in Wan for eight years and now he's in a carriage on his way back to become king um, because I think I can't remember who was king before him, like his brother or some shit who's dead. So, And he's only 21. He's very freaked out. He's very unhappy. Um, he's also been married off against his will to a beautiful young woman, but she is a Mongolian princess. So she is a Wan princess. So he does not trust her and they clearly have like an intensely antagonistic relationship they're barely on speaking terms and they are both positive the other hates them um and they kind of you know it kind of comes out in the drama that they have a bit of a past but um they've got a lot of problems in their relationship which i think again is a really interesting kind of place to start the show um king gong min is not the main character but he's such a big fixture of the drama and i just find his character so interesting like they're just how isolated he is at the start of the drama and how there's really no one around him that he trusts or can lean on and then slowly throughout the drama he collects people realistically who begin to believe in him and through their belief he begins to believe in himself and figure out how to be a good king and do these you know incredible things that in real life he ends up doing um so what was I talking about? <laughs> so there's this little like party caravan of people and they're coming along and all the Wudalchi boys who are these like, you know, King's bodyguard warriors are like to Lee Ho's character, Toyang, like, hey, um, I think we're getting followed. I think there's a bunch of assassins like out to try and murder the king and queen. And Choyong's just like this sleepy dude who looks great in cool black armor and has really nice hair. That's Lee Ho, And he's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't care. And his whole thing is that he is like the best warrior that ever lived. He's so good. He's amazing. But something's happened to him in his past and it has fucked him up. And it's just like he's turned off his emotions. He's turned off his engagement with the world. He does not give a shit about anything. But he's also incredibly good at his job and incredibly loyal in the way that he has to be. Like, he's not loyal to King Gongmin because he likes King Gongmin. You know, there's this amazing scene at the start where the young king is like saying to Choyoung, which is his main bodyguard who he has to lean on and is like, you don't like me, do you? And Choyoung's like, I don't even care about you. Like one king, the other king, some other king, like what fucking difference does it make? It makes zero difference to him. Like, and I just thought it was really interesting place to just kind of begin their relationship, particularly with the idea that even though King Gongmin is a king and Choyoung because he has to, because that's his role in life, Choyong would die for King Gongmin. He'll do whatever he has to do to be loyal. 
but he doesn't respect it. Like that's something that King Gongmen has to earn from his own bodyguard. Um, and because King Gongmen is the kind of man who wants to be a good king, I think he ends up using Choi Yong as his kind of like moral cornerstone. And he begins to realize that if he makes a bad decision, that's going to mean that his bodyguard Choi Yong doesn't agree with him or doesn't like him anymore. It's kind of like where his moral line gets drawn in the sand, which I think is just such an interesting relationship between those two men that I really, really liked in this drama. And I think it's very evident, particularly at the start, like the whole, you know, I don't know, first 10 episodes or so, I just really, really loved that push and pull between them. Um, so what happens is the whole like kind of royal party ends up in this like mad little in place in this little port city or whatever. Um, and again, I just don't love the way Goyo historical buildings look compared to Joseon ones. So nothing just kind of looks as pretty as what I like and what I'm used to. Um, but anyway, that's beside the point. But anyway, a whole bunch of assassins come and just like fuck everyone up and everyone fights. And Choi Young's just like, he's real sleepy and just not very worried about anything. And I think it's because he's just kind of like a dead man walking. He has no cares for the world. He is going to be loyal to King Gongmin, but if he dies in the process, he really doesn't give a shit. So he's just not scared of anything. So when they get attacked by the assassins, he does the right thing. He tries to save everyone. But the queen, uh, Queen Noguk, gets slit across the throat and ends up unconscious um, through some mad, I don't know, little magic things that I don't know, Choi Young has lightning in his fingers or something. <laughs> and the Goyo doctor um, kind of like, you know, does some acupuncture. So they basically slow down her heart and they stop the bleeding. But unless they can figure out how to, you know, tie up this wound and sew it up or whatever, which they just don't have those capabilities medically back then, obviously. Um, obviously, the queen will die unless they do something. So there is this. Oh, and the drama, I should say, actually starts with this like really cool animated sequence, like with this history, with this really famous doctor from a thousand years earlier called Huacha. Or Huata. I feel like it was Huata. I can't remember. Anyway, this like super old, amazing doctor kind of disappeared through Heaven's Gate and is Heaven's doctor. Um, so they happen to be near Heaven's Gate, right, when they need a, like a heavenly doctor with who's really skilled and the gate just happens to open again for the first time in like a fucking thousand years or some shit. And King Gongmen is like to Choi Young, you know, Choi Young, go through that fucking gate and bring back heaven's doctor and save my wife. So Choi Young's like, yeah, whatever. He doesn't care anyway. And then that begins like one of my just favorite parts or couple of scenes, I suppose, in this whole show. I just fucking love it so much. So Choi Young turns up in 2012, goes through this gate, turns up in 2012 Gangnam in Seoul. And he turns up in this Buddhist temple, which is this really, really famous Buddhist temple um, in Seoul. And he's kind of looking around and he's, you know, pretty shocked by all the high buildings and the cars and everything. He kind of goes near the road and he just can't figure out how to cross it. And he's, he's this very contained, reserved guy. Like he's not like, 
you know, running around being crazy. He's just, everything's internalized and he's just looking at the road and he's like, no, he's not going to do it. So he goes back into the temple and then he comes across a monk. And it's very funny because the monk's obviously like listening to music on his phone or whatever, you know, with earphones on, but Choyong doesn't know anything about that. And he just sees a monk and that's something he recognizes. So he asks the monk where to find a doctor and the monk's like, oh, do you need a doctor? Like, oh, there's, um, you know, a whole bunch of surgeons are having a, a conference right across the road in this posh hotel over there. Um, and Choyong's like, but how do I, how do I get there? And what he means is, of course, there's this mad road filled with mad traffic and he's very scared and he doesn't understand what to do. And the monk just looks at him like he's the biggest weirdo in the world. And he's like, you just, you just go. And Lee Min Ho is like, ah, oh, right. You know, you just have to have faith and you just have to believe in yourself and go. And so off he goes and then he like takes deep breaths and he just walks across the road and all the traffic comes screeching to a halt. It's so fucking funny. And he's real proud of himself because he's like, you know, defeated this challenge and heaven's challenge and believed in himself or whatever, or had no fear. Just some really dumb thing like that. It's very, very funny. Uh, so even better, he turns up into this, you know, this basically um, a surgeon. I don't know if it's like a, pla- I think it's like a plastic surgery sort of convention thing. And our female lead, Unsu, is there and she's presenting on, you know, her plastic surgery techniques or something. And there's this, oh, really gross video about like skin getting peeled up. And I was like, Bleh, I don't like it. It's really scary. <laughs> um, so Choyong kind of just, I guess he, he kind of gets arrested because he's like swinging a sword around and he's got, you know, a bit of blood on his shirt from, um, Queen Noduk, um, Noguk, sorry. So yeah, he's like, he's covered in blood and he's got armor on and he's got like a real sword and he's like, he's pretty scary, which again, I really liked. <laughs> That's my kind of thing. I don't know why I'm very weird, but I did really like it. And he's just sort of walking around. He's quite terrifying like to all the normal people um and they bring him up to the security office and he sees like all these videos um you know like a video or a security camera kind of bunch of screens and he's trying to figure out how to get into them so it's definitely that kind of funny fish out of water time travel thing but i really love how serious Young is like he's not one of these kind of um you know, time travelers who's really flabbergasted, like really externally by everything. Like he's not flapping his arms around and, you know, freaking out. He's just looks at everything and he's really scary and really contained, but also he has no fucking idea what's going on, which is very funny. But of course he thinks he's in heaven. So he's not really getting shocked by everything because he expects to not understand anything. He expects it to be, you know, indecipherable to him. So he's just trying to figure it out. Um, so a security guard is trying to like pull him away from the security cameras and he just literally like throws the guy across the room. And this is the point where everyone's like, oh, okay, this guy is scary. So he manages to get down to the main floor of this like conference thing. He finds Dr. Unsu, our main female lead, and she's just sort of like, you know, perusing some of the surgery equipment and, you know, some guy's trying to sell her some of his wares. And Choi Young's like, are you a doctor? You need to come with me. And she's like fuck no weirdo like no thank you and so he grabs a dude a random dude slits his throat open and by this point everyone's freaking out the police are getting called everyone's screaming 
Unsu tries to run away and he just grabs her and he's like, you know, fucking fix this guy's neck that I just fucked up. And she's like, oh my gosh, like this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> so funny. Um, so Unsu under pressure, like with him, like kind of leaning over her and looming over her with a fucking sword with blood all over it, um, has to, you know, kind of do just random surgery on this guy on this table. Um, and she does a really great job. She manages to like, you know, totally fix up this guy so that he doesn't bleed to death right in front of her. So Choi Young's like, she's perfect. She is the doctor that needs to come back to the Goyo dynasty with me. So he pretty much just lifts her over his shoulder and just walks off. And by this point, there's a SWAT team outside and all these guns on them. So he uses his like magical powers to like, I don't know, throw everyone around, which, you know, later on, he kind of, I feel like he sort of forgets that he can do that. And he just, but anyway, um, and yeah, he just literally drags her off. And for her, it is so fucking scary. Like it is the worst. And I, f I feel really sorry for her, but there's this really weird kind of interesting, I don't know, like half of all this stuff so funny. And then the other half, you're actually thinking about her and you're like, whoa, this is awful. <laughs> like it's full on scary psycho kidnapping shit. Um, so they go back to the Goyo dynasty. She gets dragged to, you know, this inn where the king and queen are staying. She manages to, you know, get the queen so that the queen's alive and, you know, sewn up and stuff. And, um, basically she's just trying to get out. She doesn't really believe what's going on. She's not particularly quick at kind of settling in and understanding what's really going on. She thinks she's on like a movie set and he's a psycho, um, which, you know, there's way too many people around for that. But anyway, um, so a whole bunch of assassins turn up and they try and kill everyone again. And she is trying to run away basically just to get away from Choyong and everyone else. And then she gets kidnapped by these mad assassins. And there she kind of starts realizing that this world is a very, very scary place, whether it really is the past or whether it's a movie set, whatever it is. And although Choyong has stolen her and against her will dragged her to this place, he has also promised that if she fixes Queen Noguk, that he will bring her home again. And I really like this idea that even though she doesn't like him because of what he's done, like at all, he's really, really scary to her. It's just very quickly in the drama because everything else is so much worse than him. He becomes someone that she has to rely on. He becomes the person who always turns up when she needs someone to save her. And I just thought it was this really interesting sort of slow progression into her just even when at the start of the drama, you know, the first few episodes, she still doesn't really like him. She's not really sure he's great, but he's just so solid and he's always there for her whenever she needs it. So she just begins to rely on him and trust him. And of course, it creates this there's this other kind of big problem gets created by this whole thing in that King Gongmin is like one there is a doctor from heaven who has come and magically saved his wife. Like, this is a big thing. Everyone's like, oh, a doctor from heaven. Oh, my gosh. Like, she's come because of King Gongmin. So there's this, like, political element where he can use this doctor to kind of, I guess, um, support his reign and support his position as king and give him a bit of authority. Like, heaven has picked him and heaven has, has sent this doctor to help him. So he doesn't really want to send Unsu back to Heaven's Gate and let her go um, at all. He really doesn't. And a lot of his advisors are like, 
fucking keep this woman, like keep her, use her. Um, but Choi Young is very, very opposed to it because he has promised Dr. Unsu that if she does what he's asked and saves a queen, Noguk, that he will bring her home. And his word is like, if he doesn't keep his word for him, that means death. So he's put in this really, really interesting position where he's made a promise to Unsu to take her back home. But the king, who he has to be loyal to, like he has to, is telling him that he can't let her go back. So Unsu's on her way back to like the little hole in the world. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Heaven's gate, that's what it is. And Choryong wants to help her, but the king orders him to grab her and bring her back. So he's just, you know, done the right thing. He's brought her there. He's letting her go. They have this like one tiny moment where she's like, oh, maybe this dude isn't so bad after all. And then the very next second, King Gongmin's like, Fucking Choi Young, go get that woman and bring her back. And Choi Young just has to do it. And he has to do it even though it means he's going to break his promise. And he says to King Gongmin, you know what this means. This means death for me. I cannot break my promise like this. And King Gongmin just doesn't listen to him. So Choi Young grabs Unsu and drags her back again, completely like breaking any trust that she was starting to gain in him at all. Um, and for some reason... <laughs> she's like oh I'm just gonna I hate this guy so much I'm gonna run at him with this sword for whatever reason and Choi Young's like I'm gonna let you stab me with that sword so he like I don't know he turns around so that the sword goes straight into his belly and then he like grabs the sword and drags it all the way through him so he's like fully impaled I shouldn't laugh it's not meant to be funny and it's not funny but also it was just kind of funny because I was like what the fuck like <laughs> just let himself get impaled by this big sword so of course now Unsu is stuck in the Goyo dynasty um the Kevin's gate is shut Choi Young who's the only person that she feels like she can sort of a little bit rely on even though she feels very iffy about him is lying bleeding out on the ground in front of her and she's the one who sort of accidentally sort of stabbed him a little bit. She's a doctor. She's not that keen on being a murderer. So she's like, I've got to save this guy. Like, I have got to. So basically, she goes to the ends of the earth to try and sew him up and save him and look after him. And all this stuff happens. And, you know, he lives, obviously. <laughs> and then they all go back to, I think it's Gesong, uh, which is the capital of Goyo at that time. And then, you know, there's all these different political things and the villain gets introduced. But man, there's so much I'd love to talk about about this drama. And I think, I mean, I, that's generally the setup. You know, once they get back to Gesong, it really, I feel like some of the tone of the drama changes. Like it's a very stationary for a while it's a lot of like internal palace kind of settings they have a few little sojourns outside of the palace and back and some little adventures um particularly at the start and some that were very very cool that kind of create a lot of um conflict and emotional conflict some really great kind of angsty stuff there which i really loved um in terms of the relationship and everything um but there's just a lot of push and pull um i guess between king gongmin trying to be the king he wants to be and trying to um solidify yeah solidify his power and create you know 
people that he can rely on. Um, push and pull between him and Toyong because Toyong's just not going to kind of support him or give him respect unless King Gongmin earns it. Um, but eventually they form this really tentative, I think like really nice friendship. I really, really like the whole relationship between those two men. I think it's done really well. Um, and then you throw in Gitol into the mix, who's the big bad villain who is just out. He wants Eunsu, he wants Heaven's Doctor, and um, he also wants to go to heaven. And also he's going fucking crazy and he has a dangly gold earring, but only one. And then, of course, there's all the conflict as well between King Gongmin and his queen, Noguk, who fucking hate each other at the start and begin to kind of build some trust between them which is actually like really sweet. And their whole romance story, I think is really good. I really liked it. Um, so that's kind of the basic setup. Um, I probably shouldn't say any more, but that's literally like, that must be only the first episode or two or something. And then, you know, it just goes on and becomes very expansive from there um, with lots of, well, lots of shit happens in this drama. So now I guess I'm up to the stuff that I loved. Um, I feel like there is a lot to love with this drama. I don't know if it's just nostalgia that makes me feel this way or not. Um, I totally admit I might be a little bit biased, um, but here are the things that I really love about this show. Um, so definitely for me, Choyoung. Choyoung is just, he is gold. He is so good. Um, I feel like as a character, he is just written like exactly to suit my tastes, I guess. Like it's literally the kind of male hero in a historical show that I love the most. Like you've got a kind of silent, stoic, taciturn dude who doesn't, you know, he's not like overly emotional. He doesn't like talk much. He's got this big tragic issue in his past that has completely burnt him out, made him so unhappy. He's a total badass. He's so much fun to watch, like walking around in his cool black armor, just like fucking fighting everyone. And he's always like covered in blood, which, you know, that's not a positive thing, but in a historical, I love a good fight scene and I love a good fight scene with a cool dude in some cool armor being cool. I don't know. I just love it. Also, Toyoung is played by Lee Min-ho. He's so good. I love him so much in this drama. Um, but on top of that, like on top of him just being Lee Min-ho and having like, at least at the start, amazing hair and cool outfit and just being cool. <laughs> fangirl moment there. <laughs> um, I just really like the character. I really love the character development and I do really like the way that he's written. I think he's there's this really kind of interesting, I want to say dialogue in this drama, this kind of theme. I kind of read it as, you know, what makes a person a good person? Because I think that Toyang in this drama, the way that he's presented, he is such a good guy. He does the right thing. He does a good thing. But the interesting thing about that is often from Unsu's perspective as a modern woman from 2012, he's not always a good dude. And I really love this kind of like this push and pull and this idea that, you know, a good deed obviously changes throughout history and what's considered to be right and good in, you know, Goyo dynasty is quite different from 2012. So although Choyoung is, you know, this mad, intense warrior covered in blood all the time in his own era, which is 
fucking terrifying for Unsu. Like she's so scared of that side of what he has to do and who he is. And, you know, he's killed a lot of people. And I really like that the drama doesn't necessarily shy away from, I think, the horror elements of that. Um, but also for his time. He's an incredible, shining human being of goodness. Like, you know, he he's so loyal and he he's just fantastic. I really love him. He's so good. <laughs> so I thought that was all really cool. Um, that just that push and pull I thought was a really interesting kind of thing. Um, so I really loved his backstory. We find out that Toyang was part of this sort of like little elite sort of, I want to say group of assassins who worked for the government. And as far as they all knew, the government sending them on missions and they're going out and assassinating, say like, you know, infiltrating an enemy camp and like during an invasion or whatever, and going and assassinating the leaders and all this kind of stuff. And he's in this group with his boss um, and also his girlfriend who is this young woman who's also this amazing you know martial artist that he's in love with and they've obviously got a relationship so finally after many years of doing this kind of in the shadows and not really maybe getting the the awards or the notice from the government for all this hard work and scary you know shit they've been doing um, they finally get called to the palace um, you know, and he's, he's really excited. And we see this version of Choyoung, the, which is like, you know, really excitable, like a big puppy dog almost, which is so different from the way he's presented in the drama. And this is from him like eight years earlier, but basically they arrive at the palace. The King turns out to be the most terrifying, like despot ever. Like he's horrific. Um, and he basically tries to get um, Choi Young's girlfriend to take off all her clothes in front of the court. And because he's the king and everyone in this little assassin group is 100% loyal to the king, there's not really anything they can do. And I really like this as well. Like, I think as a modern viewer, there's this part of you, like, I think we're just different about authority. Like, we maybe don't quite have that level of loyalty, I think. Sorry, I think that's something funny with my recording just then. Um, but I was just saying, like, we, I think in, in our modern world, like, we don't have that kind of just blind loyalty to authority figures. Um, you know, I think that we are kind of taught to question it a little bit more. So if you are told to do something terrible and unethical by someone who is above you, like your boss or, you know, in this case, your king, we're kind of taught through media and through everything else to be like, fuck no, I'm not going to do this terrible thing. So like you can watch that scene, I think, in this drama. And as a modern person, you can kind of be like, Choi Young, fucking do something. Tell that king no, behead the king. But of course, it's a completely different situation and context because of the history of it. You know, being loyal to king above all else, no matter what the king tells you to do, that is you know, true loyalty. That is what you have to do to not be a complete and utter, you know, traitor back then. And I just found that really interesting. And I really like the way, you know, he has to stand by and watch this thing about to happen. In the end, his boss, um, Choi Young's boss of this little group, this assassin group, steps up and kind of steps in the way and manages to save the, the young woman. But at the same time, he dies. He dies because he gets involved and the young woman can't live with the fact that because of her, um, her boss has died. So she goes and fucking hangs herself off a tree. So it's all fucking tragic as fuck. It's so terrible. 
And Choi Young is left alive. He's left being told that he now has to be the leader of this assassin group. He has to be loyal to this completely crazy, terrifying king. And he has to do whatever this king says. And he has to. And I don't know, I just find that really interesting because I feel like I can understand why he does what he does. But then I think it's just this really interesting reflection on his relationship with the new king, King Gongmin, and why he will do whatever King Gongmin says. But to be friends, to be close to him, King Gongmin has to earn his respect because no king prior to him has ever bothered to do that. But of course, that's what makes King Gongmin different because he does try to earn Choyang's respect and does so. So anyway, that was a big waffle about the tragic backstory, but I just really liked it. I think it, it kind of really, really made me understand who Toyong was and what he's been through and why he's sort of closed himself off emotionally to the world around him and become this very kind of frightening, cold individual in a lot of ways, which I really, really liked. Um, so part of that was another thing I really, you know, on my stuff I loved list was there's these scenes, these kind of scenes out of Frozen River where Young, particularly when he gets stabbed by that sword that Unsu sort of, sort of aimed at him a little bit and he just stabbed himself in the belly with her sword. Very weird. <laughs> anyway, so when he's kind of dying from all that and he's, he's, he wants to die. Like he's ready to go. He does not want her to bring him back, which is why it's so hard for her to do so because his body's just given up. Um, but inside his head, we get kind of to see he's at this frozen river with his dad and they're having these conversations and he's just like, uh, Toyong is slowly, you know, turning into ice. And I really loved all that. Like visually, I thought it looked kind of cool. Like it's very CGI, but it's in this very, um, kind of stylized look. And I really liked it. And I found it kind of moving just as this, uh, I guess, visual visualization of what is internally going on inside this man. I thought that was really cool. Um, so another thing I really loved was about a quarter of the way, maybe through the drama, there's this thing that happens. So Unsu still doesn't trust anyone really. And she doesn't really trust Toyong, but there's something like, there's just a lot of tension between them, but it's not really gone anywhere at this stage. Gichol, who's the big baddie dude is like, he kind of does this scheme and he manages to get Unsu and bring Unsu to his house. And she's basically a prisoner. She's getting treated very well and fed very well and clothed very well very well, but she's still a prisoner. And she's locked in a room. And when Choi Young hears that this has happened, he's just like, fuck everything. I made a promise to this woman to keep her safe. I'm going to go there and like break her out. And when he turns up, there's just this really nice moment. I think it's one of the first moments where you start seeing this, this trust building between them, where she is beginning to know without a doubt that if something bad happens, he will be there and he will turn up and he will help her. So the two of them go on this kind of like, kind of side quest, I want to say, <laughs> but they end up with out like, you know, okay. So there's this, this prior king, who's this little boy. So he was um, a king that Toyong really liked and was friends with because he's only like fucking, I don't know how old he is, like 13 or 14 or 10. I can't tell <laughs> whatever. <laughs> there's a big difference there, but anyway. Um, so this little boy has been exiled. So the king has been, you know, he's been dethroned and he's been exiled and he's been sent to this little shit hut in the middle of nowhere. So Toyong takes Unsu there because this little boy is very, very sick. And Toyong is really, really hoping that Unsu can fix the boy. But of course, there's a problem with that because it kind of shows that Toyong is 
like loyal to a deposed king and there's all these like political repercussions because of it but I won't get into that stuff even though it's very exciting um but Unsu cannot help the little boy because the little boy has like very late stage cancer it's really sad it's really really intense um so all this stuff happens and then Gicho comes and manipulates this little kid and is like here's some you know creepy poison give it to Choi Young ha 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 and the little boy's like when Gicho's gone the little boy's like I love Choi Young Choi Young's been so kind to me he's my friend I'm not going to give him the poison so the little boy drinks the poison himself which is fucking horrible it's fucking horrific um so I I liked you know I didn't like it because (laughs) this little boy drank poison obviously I found it really really sad um but what happens is Choi Young comes back and finds the little boy dying very very slowly of this really horrific poison he's screaming at Eunsu to do something to save him like she's heaven's doctor like fix it and she of course can't she doesn't have modern equipment or scans there's nothing she can do so she runs off to I don't know get some water or do something I can't even remember and Choi Young makes this like unbelievably awful decision that he has to do he realizes that he has to take this little boy's life to stop this boy from dying very slowly and suffering in intense pain so he takes a knife and he kills this little boy and Unsu walks in like a moment after where this boy is dead in Choi Young's arms covered in blood and Choi Young is holding a bloody knife like it is intense and Unsu is a modern woman she has not seen anything like that. She doesn't see things like that. Like none of us, well, you know, if we're lucky, that's not something that we have to experience in our modern lives. Um, And I just found this is like that whole moment between that push and pull between what is a good, what makes a good person back then in history and what makes a good person now. And there's this disconnect for Unsu that she, she finds it really, really hard to, not be afraid of Choi Young because of this thing that he's done and because of everything that he has to do all the time in terms of murdering people. And it takes her a long time to kind of realize that what Choi Young did for that little boy was, you know, it was a good thing. He did the only thing that he could have. And I really like there's this conversation with the Goyo doctor later that Unsu has, and she's like, you know, how could he do that? You know, how could he kill that little boy with that knife? And the doctor's like, you know, this is, you should be feeling bad. You should be feeling bad for Toyong that he had to do it like that. You're a doctor. That was your job to ease that boy's passing. And it's just like kind of highlights the differences between, you know, the age, I guess, um, you know, the his- historical time. Um, and I just think that's really interesting. I'm sure that's been explored before in like a time slip drama or whatever or time travel drama but I just felt like it was a theme that I hadn't kind of seen before and I really liked it in the context of their romance because you know there's so many romances out there between someone from the past and someone from the future and realistically I think that's probably one of the biggest angsty problems that would exist in a relationship like that is morals back then are different to what morals are and ethics and how do you you know how do how do you deal with that in a relationship when both of you have very very different standards for what is good and what is right and what is wrong um so I really loved the exploration of that and I really loved Unsu's 
First of all, you know, she's completely overwhelmed by the violence and the harshness and the cruelness of the Goyo world. And then little by little, she comes to terms with it and she begins to understand what kind of man Toyong is and, you know, obviously love him for for who he is. Um, and I, the other thing on my, my list of stuff that I loved was their relationship. Like for me, the drama is... I watch this for Choi Young and I watch it for the romance. I, I really love it, particularly at the start. I think it's this very slow burn where they both kind of know they've got something going on together, but it's never really voiced. I think there's a point where they're both clearly completely in love with each other and they're still not really voiced anything. And, um, I don't know. I really loved it. It's very, very slow burn. I probably could have well done with some more mad passionate kisses. That would have been great. But I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there's more of that in modern dramas, but this is from 2012. And I feel like we were still at the, the less of that happening, which is kind of sad. Um, but yeah, I really, really loved the romance in this. Like it's not, it's filled with tension. It's filled with unsaid things. Um, and I really, really like that about it. Now it is time for the stuff that I didn't love. I for me it's super minor because I do I really love this show. I'm very it just has a special place in my heart. So even the stuff that I say I don't love about it, like I'm very mild about it. I'm kind of like, eh, it didn't really matter. It doesn't really bother me. <laughs> but like it is a bit old and clunky. Um, I do think it doesn't look as gorgeous as some shows do. Um, I think some of the political stuff, like I, I feel like at the start I was very, very invested because I was so interested in the relationship between the king and his wife and the king and trying to solid, you know, solidify his power and his relationship with Toyang. But um I feel like things do go around in circles a little bit, but that's okay. I'm like it doesn't really bother me, like I said. I still am quite inter interested in all the intrigue and the political plotting and all that kind of stuff. Um I don't really love the costumes or the sets, unfortunately, other than Liam and Ho's whole thing, which is great. Love it. Um so there is uh, like a second bad dude who I forgot to mention because <laughs> he only comes in halfway through the drama. I really like him. He's really great. He's the king's uncle. He comes in and everyone thinks he's sort of a pawn to be moved around and that he's like an idiot. But it turns out he's incredibly clever and he starts moving everyone around like pieces on a chessboard. And he's very, very scary. But also he uses poison. And I don't mind him using poison, but he does use poison twice on the female lead. And I was like, girl, don't let him use poison on you again. So I, I don't think it was something I really minded or really cared about. But also I feel like she should have been smarter than that. So that's really it. I, I just really like it. I think it's really fun. Um, I don't know if it's for everyone or not. Like, I think maybe there's some slower pacing and stuff as well. Um, but I do. I really, really love it. Um, I think it's great. So that's it. That's all I'm going to say on Faith, the 2012 drama with 24 episodes, historical, fantasy, romance, time travel, whatever. <laughs> romance? Did I say it? Yes, I did. <laughs> so apparently this is just um, a random side fact. Lee Jung-ki was initially cast for the role of Choyong, but he had to go do you know, army for two years. So he dropped out. I'm, I'm very interested by this. I'm like, wow, what would this show have been like with Lee Jun-ki, who I also completely adore? Interesting. Hmm. <laughs> so 
So, and now it is time for my random thing of the week, and of course, it is history. <laughs> Every time I do a historical drama, it always is. Um, but I think it's really interesting to kind of pick apart what was not real from Faith and what was real. Obviously not real was white wispy wigs and magical powers and a heaven's gate and a plastic surgeon from the future. None of that's real. But uh, what was real is King Gongmen. So the main king in the drama was a true king. Um, he really did marry a Mongolian princess from Wan who was called Queen Noguk. So apparently in history, they are known to have had a very positive relationship. Um, unfortunately, they were not able to conceive. And because there was, you know, he's a king, so there's a lot of pressure on him to have an heir. Um, so there was a lot of pressure on him to, to take another wife, which he refused because apparently, you know, he loved uh, Noguk so much that he didn't want to. Um, but very sadly, like um, after 15 years, I think she did finally get pregnant, but she died during, I don't think they actually had a child. It just all went wrong, which is very sad. And at that point, King Gongmin basically gave up on politics. He didn't really give a shit about anything anymore. And he just sort of descended into a bit of a despot, I think, and eventually was murdered in his bed by the lover of one of his concubines, I think. So, yeah, there you go. Um, pretty tragic end for him and Noguk, which is well depressing when you think about it. Um, so in the drama, there's another interesting thing at the very start of the drama when the characters all get back to Gesong and they're in the palace. There is this young boy that gets brought in and he clearly has like appendicitis or something and he's dying. And he's like, you know, the son of a very rich nobleman, very powerful rich nobleman. So Unsu, as Heaven's Doctor, is called to try and fix this boy before he dies. And she does. She manages to save his life and is really happy. And she asks his name. So his name was Yi Sung-ge. Uh, they don't say anything in the drama. They just say Yi Sung-ge and she's like, holy shit, like, whoa. So Yi Sung-ge is, it's a big deal for two reasons. One reason is he is the founder of the Joseon dynasty. It's because of him that Goyo finishes and he becomes the first king of Joseon. So he becomes King Tejo. The other thing reason that it's a holy shit moment for Unsu is because Yi Sung-ge is also the man that is responsible for the death of Choi Young. So General Choi Young, played by Lee Min-ho, is a real historical hero from Korean history. He's like super famous, apparently. Um, and he was just very, like, I guess, like a national hero of his own time. He was considered a national hero. So he was like this big general of the army um, for King Gongmin and I think the king after as well. Um, but he was responsible for just, you know, I guess positive results in a whole bunch of battles. But in the end, he was, you know, he was this very powerful general right up to the very end of the Goyo dynasty when Yi Sung-ge kind of, instead of going off and doing the battle that he was meant to, he turns around and he tries to take over the capital city and ends up fighting Choi Young for, you know, not you know, what am I trying to say? Oh gosh. Um, so Choi Young loses this fight, which, you know, he's trying to push out the, the traitors to the throne basically. And he gets exiled and then later on he gets beheaded. So super depressing as history often is, um, but very, very interesting. So I think that's another reason why Faith, you know, stops, I think, um, before stuff gets too fucking depressing <laughs> because it doesn't end well for any of these famous characters, really, except maybe King Tejo, I suppose. 
Now it's time for my something I'm loving section this week and it's actually a non-Korean TV show which I watched recently which I just really really liked and really enjoyed. Um, so it is called Barbarians or Barbarin depending on I guess if you say it in English. Barbarians is English. It's a German language show. Um, it's just short. It's only one season out as I record this, um, but I really, really liked it. It's so uh, the little synopsis is three people's fates are interwoven in the battle of the Tudorberg forest in 9 AD, during which Germanic warriors halt the spread of the Roman empire. So it's basically about a whole bunch of like Germanic tribes who are being occupied by Roman legions sent from Rome and it's kind of like a little bit of a I don't want to give too much away because it's, it's actually really interesting I think to go into blind but um it's based on a little bit of historical fact which I was very amazed and surprised by so um I think it's well worth a watch um if you're looking for I don't know, just a, a really interesting and exciting show. It's just got like heaps of fight scenes and a bit of a love story and really interesting characters. Um, I thought it was really good. So that's called Barbarians or I guess in German, Barbarin. I don't know. It was really good. I liked it. I do just want to say a massive, massive thank you and shout out to all of my Patreon supporters. Um, I really, really appreciate that you guys like what I do enough to go onto Patreon and choose to support me there. It really, really means a lot. And I have a very, very special shout out this week um, to three new patrons, which apparently are what Patreon supporters are called apparently, <laughs> so I'm told. So huge, huge thank you to Mahela. Esther and Carl, you guys are the best. Thank you so much for joining my Patreon community. And um, also another massive thank you to Liliana, who this week raised her pledge. Thank you, Liliana. Um, I super, super appreciate it. Um, it really means a lot to me that, I don't know, that people are interested in what I do and choose to go to Patreon to support me. Um, and for everyone else, if you are interested, I do have extra podcast episodes and stuff like that. So I talk about Korean movies that I've been watching and other Korean dramas, but also a lot of waffling, I want to say. <laughs> so I've called my Patreon um, podcast a waffle pod. And as you can imagine, I waffle a little bit. So it's a little bit more real time, um, I guess, what I'm currently watching at the moment um, and my thoughts on currently airing shows and stuff like that. Um, so thank you all so very much um, to all my Patreon supporters.